to the Forerunners Podcast. <laughs> Babe, I'm trying to do work here. Oh, are you recording for real? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. <clears throat> I appreciate the uh, help on the intro for my wife in the background, but that's taken care of, so we're safe now. Let's get right into part one of our interview with Adam Poole, one of the most improved runners in our area, and now running coach with Endeavor Running Company. All right, guys, I'm here with Adam Poole. Welcome, Adam. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you. We're, we're buddies uh, outside of the podcast, so I'm really excited to talk to you, like, you know, kind of in this realm. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan. I think I've expressed <laughs> it to you many times. I love what you're doing. The podcast is great. I just hope it keeps growing and growing and people really enjoy it. Yeah, so. man. I've, I've always appreciated your encouragement from the get-go. So, well, let's jump right into this, man. Where are you from? So, I grew up on a big pig farm outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes. Really? So, I was, for most of my life, I was living the farm life, and um, I'm very proud that my dad is a Pittsburgh steel worker, and my mom works downtown, and uh, I've tried to kind of work out some of the Pittsburgh slang that I have, like yins and slippy and nebby, but... I still say pop, and I'm, I'm, I hold to it, but I love the bridges. It, I just It's one of those things I'm passionate about. I love Pittsburgh. I love talking about it. Uh, I am a Steelers fan. I know that Amanda was last episode. I, I am too. I'm starting to realize that not all of you guys are bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually ran away from Pittsburgh to come down here because the snow is just too much, mm-hmm. and it, it can be quite challenging, but I love it. How often do you get back up there? Uh, maybe like once or twice a year, not very much because living in Virginia beach, my parents and family are very, you know, welcoming and wanting to come to the beach. So, so it's their new like vacation home coming to see us. So that's cool. I had no clue about that. That's interesting. You, uh, and you have yourself a little family. Tell us a little bit about them. Sure. I think this will be the easiest thing to talk about. Yeah, probably. I've got, I've got a gorgeous wife and she's so incredible, so strong. Her name's Tess Nina. We've been... Married for about seven years now, okay, and we have a daughter together. She's our, our little PR, Penelope Rose. All right. So, yeah, and she's, and I mean, I know you talk about family a lot, mm-hmm. and she's incredible. She lights up our life. I, I just, I can't imagine not being around her, you know. Yeah. I've got a little voice message that I keep by me, and it's just her saying, I love you, Daddy, but mm-hmm. telling you, it just cuts through all the drama of a day and everything, so... I'm very blessed. I, yeah. I love it, and I wouldn't, wouldn't. I don't know. I just, just, I'm very lucky, very fortunate. I can tell it's, it's, it's a deep source of joy for you. Yes, absolutely. Um, you are, you have joined the Filipino wife gang. <laughs> I so have. Congratulations yeah, on that. Yeah. I, and I'm trying to learn the words as they come. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast before, but I was telling people on my run this morning I had to learn the words busog. Yes. Because. They would offer me so much food that I couldn't eat or didn't want to sometimes right. that I had to learn to say, I'm full yes. in Tagalog. I, well, and we, that disarmed everything. <laughs> well, we stand out when we go to a Filipino party. You might be a better line dancer than me, though, but or in karaoke. But 
when I walk in, immediately they're making me my plate to take home. They're watching what I eat. Do you eat this? You eat this? You eat this? Yeah. And when I eat it, they're, it's ready for me to go. So oh, yeah. the and most welcoming people I've ever met, yes. and I love it. It's a beautiful culture. And Very hospitable. Yes. I think, uh, I think Bourdain, when he went to the Philippines, talked at the end of his show about how overwhelmingly hospitable oh, yes. the people of the Philippines are. Um, and they... They didn't change a bit when they came over here. They're so, I mean, you go with, somewhere with them, you're eating oh, something. Oh, yeah, so. absolutely. But uh, how, old's, how old's Penelope? She's turning three in November. She's so. growing up. So. Oh, yeah. It's amazing, isn't we've, it? We've been in the no phase. Now we're in the, I don't just always want to play phase, you know, mm -hmm. so it's it's great. I don't mind getting on the floor and, and rock crawling around and everything, but... It's fun. It's yeah. every day. It's a new adventure. It's mm -hmm. fun. It is amazing. I I'm I was shocked when I became a dad. I was shocked by how often Piper just did new things that was like, oh, she can do that. Like right, it's a new yeah. thing, or she learned really fast things really fast. Like I was so proud when like she learned where the her face facial features were like <laughs> touch her nose. And right. Then, like it just all snowballs and it just they keep growing and getting more and more intelligent and more and more creative. Um, and it's just it's a fascinating thing to see. So I know you're right in the right oh, slam yeah, in the I middle of it. that. Yeah. So now um, it turns out that this month on the podcast turns is dentistry month because you're that's your line of business right it is i i've been a dentist in hampton roads for the last 13 years nice yes it's it's definitely stressful i think it's the one of the few jobs where people show up and tell you how much they don't like you or i don't like coming to the dentist i don't like being here so but i think it's what it's helped me grow as a person is that they have to trust you, you know, they have to develop a relationship, know that you're confident. So I think besides me liking to do it and enjoying it, it's really helped build my confidence in what I do. And, and I do think I'm very good at it, but yeah. it's one of those things that it builds your confidence and it also kind of gets you to open up, build connections with people yeah. and it's very satisfying. So. Yeah. You, um, how has COVID changed that for you? Well, it's like Other wearing a bull it's like wearing a bulletproof vest yeah. and uh, you know, I don't think anything's getting through the clothes and all the multiple layers that I have, but I've worked all through it. Limited hours, but I've worked all through it and our business has had to change quite a bit and adapt, but we are providing a great service and I, and at first the service that I was providing was keeping people out of the ERs and keeping people safe and mm -hmm. and getting people pain-free and um, you know, it's it's challenging. Every day is a challenge. I'm someone that likes to be on time. My Filipino wife does not. You know, she doesn't mind that, but I do. And uh, it's very hard to be on time because there's so many measures to do prior to I can actually see someone. So, mm -hmm. man, yeah, it's that's that. It's a crazy time we're living in. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your athletic background, man. When you were younger, mm -hmm. what did you, what did athleticism look like in your life? So I was all about baseball. Yeah. So my father was a very good wrestler, and I had to do that for a little bit until I proved to him that I was no good at it. But I played baseball. I loved it. It was my passion. I, I got to see Barry Bonds and Bobby Ovenia a lot playing for the Pirates, and that's all I wanted to do. And it continued. I mean, I spent my summers playing All-Stars, everything. And then I got to about middle school area, and I, it was a summer. I spent all my summer, and it was all-stars. 
and that was the first summer where every game I sat the bench. Mm. And every game on the ride home, I cried. Mm. And so I just, I never got it. I, all this life, baseball was great. Everything was good. And then all of a sudden I'm not playing. And um, so I got up the nerve to ask my coach. And that was like the first time that I realized that I was smaller than everyone. Mm. Or, you know, if people don't know me, I'm 5'4", I'm 5'3", five, five, mm-hmm. something like that. Very lightweight. And he just said, you're not as powerful hitter as everyone else. So I, well, besides crying, I, um, <laughs> I, I quit baseball right then and there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I made it through the season. I didn't quit the season, but yeah. then I didn't sign up next year or deal with it. And I, I tried golf a little bit, um, and I would walk around the front yard swinging my club and playing. And then I don't know how I got into it, but all of a sudden tennis became very interesting. Oh, okay. So I knew our, our middle school and high school had a tennis team. So I said to myself, I'm going to play tennis. So I destroyed the side of my parents' house. I mean, all the paint, all the siding, hitting a tennis ball back oh, and man. forth for hours. And then I would ride my bike down. There was like a little public area. And I would ride down there and just serve for hours. Just take a ball, as many as I could fit in my backpack, and serve and serve and serve. So tryouts came. I made it. I played in high school. I loved it. That now became the new passion. And then I was fortunate enough to see Agassiz play in person and some other people. And, uh, oh, yeah, when I go in, I go in hard, you know. So, um, but anyway, so I played there. And then I I went to um, St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. It's where the Steelers do their football training in the okay. summer. But that, that's where I was born, but that, it wasn't too far away from home. So I stayed close to home, and I played four years of college there. Oh. And that was... Oh, so you're a collegiate athlete. I am, yes. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I played 10. I mean, it was D3, um, NC... What is it? NAIA, that's what it was. So if you're looking at NCAA and the different divisions, it's a lower level, okay? We played a lot of the religious schools mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania and Ohio, but... The coach that was there owned a local racket club, which was indoors. And up north, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So I played, this might be a slight exaggeration, but I feel like in my head, I played at least two hours every day, six, six days a week, not Sundays, because yeah. uh, of the religious school. But um, that's how I remember it. Yeah. But I feel like I played a lot, even if I was just hitting a, on a ball machine. But the one of the second best things about it is... We got to spend a lot of time traveling to Florida and other things before we played the season. Mm-hmm. So, so now tennis became life, and I really dove into it and just tried to work on my ranking and everything. And and that's really how I was defining myself at that time as a nice tennis athlete, and and it kept me going because even with baseball and tennis, like that's where the my primary friend base came from or yeah. support system. So I was always kind of looking for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get on the tennis court anymore? So, no. I, I, I love table tennis. Uh, <laughs> and I played racquetball for a while. But the thing about tennis is it's hard to find someone at equal level. And it's a big difference in tennis if I'm hitting a... a I play badminton with my wife a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's hard to play someone of extreme lesser ability. Because mm-hmm. then you're just chasing balls all day long. So... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to sound arrogant or anything oh, like I, that. Hey, you were but, a collegiate athlete, dude. But it's just it's more challenging. And there are some great tennis facilities around here, but it's I think it caters more to the older generations. I'm a 
you can't tell it by the way I run, but I am very competitive. I like talking trash, <laughs> and uh, if if I'm close with somebody, I can get upset too. So we used to have a pool. We had a community pool with a a, a tennis court, and I'd go play with my brother. And my brother would just usually beat the brakes off me, and I can I probably broke like maybe three or four tennis rackets. <laughs> uh, some just smashing them. I, I knew the game was over. I'd just smash them. And then we'd just go get them at, we'd get them at yard sales for just a couple bucks. So, And I, he definitely had to dodge a few tennis rackets. Can you imagine that? No, but that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he did. And we used to play racquetball a lot too. Racquetball is so fun. It is. Do, and it can be intense does too. It tra- does tennis skills transfer to racquetball? I, hand-eye coordination, yes. But your body position and the way that you swing, it's not close. It can get scary. Oh, definitely. You, you need, if you, listeners, if you play racquetball, wear goggles. Yeah. Because that ball goes so fast. Yes. So fast. I've been pelted by both. In doubles, I've been hit in the back of the head many times by a serve. And in racquetball, I've been pelted as well. Yeah. We grew, when I was growing up, um, Jackass was famous. Oh, uh-huh. And it, it it dictated a lot of what we did, so I we would we would actually like line up on the wall and t- and hit each other with the <laughs> racquetball like as hard as we could. So and we just take it too. So jackass <laughs> culture. So I I'm glad that 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 the culture has moved on from that for the most part. So all right. So tennis is your background. Yes. Mainly, let's talk about your running origins. When did you become interested in running? So, my, I'll tell you my first race, because I can't, it's kind of gray in that area, but my first race was in 2010. Okay. And that, it was the Rock and Roll Marathon. It's in September. And um, it's, it was a half. So, I, I don't know why I chose that distance, mm-hmm. but I can't remember if it was through Friends Influence or anything, but yeah, I chose that distance. And um, so, I had been working as a dentist for a few years, and I really... I've been work- I was. I had a lot of student loans, so I was working a lot, six days a week. If I, mm-hmm. you know, if I could have worked Sunday, I would have. But just working as much as I could, and I really didn't do anything athletic. I, I missed it. So I was trying to look for certain things I could do, um, and I'm a little thrifty, so I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mentioned golf earlier, but I got really good at golf, but then I gave it up because it's just so expensive. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth. And to me, it's not worth the time. But um, I signed up and I trained. I looked at an online training plan and I trained to what, I can't remember how I trained, but I remember I trained. Mm -hmm. And I just remember it being such a terrible, terrible experience. Two things really stand out. The first time I went over the Rudy Inlet Bridge, Mm -hmm. that little, you know, little incline there, it was around mile, I don't know, 11 or 12 and walking it and thinking, this is terrible. I'm I'm dead tired, and then this is the worst one. And I I told someone today that I wanted to tell you this because it just makes me laugh every time. But I get on finally get on the boardwalk, and I see this beautiful inflatable arch that's there, and I think I've done it. I'm going to get my medal. I'm going to get my shirt, and I start sprinting, and I'm breathing hard. I'm my vision's probably blurred. I'm ready to throw up. I can't. I'm sweating so much. And then I get within eyesight, and it's not the finish. That arch is just a false arch that's there to cheer people on. Mm -hmm. So for the next like half mile, with people cheering on the side, everyone looking for their family members, I am walking at like 
power walking and just cursing myself out. How could I be so stupid? But I never raced before. Yeah, you had kicked at the wrong time. And I man. kicked at the wrong time, and I just thought this is terrible. And I never <laughs> wanted to do it again. And I didn't run again for maybe four more years or so. Yeah. And but I might have oh. done little events here and mm-hmm. there, but I don't. I never really, really did. So. What got me back into it was I was working a lot. I was single. I was um, living by myself. And I, I went on social media. I went on Instagram. And I kept seeing all these people so happy all together. And they're like, oh, just ran eight miles. Just ran 10 miles. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I just ran whatever. And I hated it. How are these people having <laughs> so much fun? And there were hundreds of them, so many. So I just remember private messaging Kim Moore and saying, what, what's all going on here? What's this all about? Because I see you guys at races, and how can I be a part of that? How can I ha- make it fun? So she told me about the JNA training team and everything, and I went to like a new meet and greet, and I was shaking. I was very, very nervous. Mm-hmm. But uh, I met Ryan Conrad and Josh Wade and, some, and Chris Lawrence and some other people that I remember, and they were just very welcoming. Mm-hmm. And it just it just made it more comforting and then I started I signed up and I started going to runs and then as I did more and more it got easier and easier and I just felt like I was part of something part of that team mm-hmm. uh, and then I knew that it was something that I, I loved so yeah yeah there's something about be, uh, the community yeah so well two things my first race experience was also rock and roll half okay. marathon like three years ago okay and I also remember the Rudy in the bridge and I remember that when I was going up it I, I I didn't ever do any elevation anywhere like at all not even bridges at all not mm-hmm. in small ones and I remember my the side of my knee hurting and knowing that it was my IT band had had tightened up and I felt like it was like I felt like there was so much race left I was like crap this is not good and then sure. then the worst thing people do at races, I think, I think people cheer, people that are cheering think it's good, but it's really not that good when they say you're, you're really close. Like it's just yeah, down the way. Almost there. You're it's almost always there. way farther than what they're saying. Like it's like, you know, you're absolutely that. right. But yeah, the, um, that you feel like you're almost done. That's how I felt. I felt like I was almost done at rock and roll and it was a lot more. Yes. I mean, not a lot more, but several, like a mile more. So I, I identified with everything you said 100%. <laughs> also, um, I'm doing long runs right now uh, to prepare for the 50K. And doing long runs with people is so much better than doing long runs alone. It just, everything, like the miles just wisp away. And I just, I mean, that's a testimony to you know, running together. It's, it's, oh, it's a yeah. game changer. Absolutely. You can get caught in a story and there, then five miles are gone and you yeah. don't really, you're not breathing heavy. You feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so eventually you connected with Rob Hunter, who is a forerunners podcast guest. Yes. Who has been, he is a forerunner. Um, how'd that take place? Let's talk about y'all meeting. Sure. Uh, so through JNA, I was I was there doing the training team and everything. And Kim Moore, who I mentioned earlier, and Rob, they helped out as Thursday night coaches that were there. And we got to talking. It was like Thursday night tempo, and we got to talking one night. And 
I just was listening, 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 and and he was saying things that made sense that I never really thought about before with running, providing a little bit of coaching, a little bit of information. And honestly, all I really thought running was was one foot in front of the other, have fun, get a medal, get a shirt. And he was talking about nutrition or how to lift your foot or certain things like that. And I, I enjoyed it. I, I Like I said, I never knew there was that much to it. Um, so then the talks and, and asking him questions became more frequent. And I just kept you know, listening and chatting with him. And I was really, I could really see how passionate he was about it and also how knowledgeable he was. So, so he was really a, someone that I would just go to and say, what about this? What about this? What about that? Um, you know, and just kept learning and learning and learning. And then in 2017, I had been running for a few years by now. I asked him if he would coach me. So, and he didn't say yes right away. I thought he would. You know, I thought a coach, I'd been coached before in the past. Had he started Endeavor yet? Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah, I think it was on, it was new, newer or it maybe been just... a year or just starting. Mm-hmm. But but he, I thought he would say yes right away, but instead he said, well, come sit down with me and let's chat about what my training looks like and what I focus on. And I really felt like it was a huge education that I was getting. Mm-hmm. So I still, to this day, ask him a lot of questions and, and focus on certain things. There's a lot to running that I, like I said, that I didn't know about. Pacing, eating, shoes, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, I continue to ask him, but we've built a great relationship. And um, I really see him as a great mentor to me and really value things that he says to me as well. Awesome. So um, a lot of people know you in this running community. And when your name comes up, people just, one of the themes that they talk about is how much you've improved as a runner over the years. Like they say that it's like probably some of the biggest improvement they've ever seen. I think you told me at some point, what was your first, what was your first marathon time? 4.35. 4.35? It's like a 10.31 pace. Yeah. Uh And then, but now, aren't you like starting to shoot for some majors? Yeah, I, well, the last one I did was Berlin. Yeah. And so I, so I went from starting at like a 10.31 to under seven. So I did a 6.56 pace and that's a 3.01. So, Huge, huge improvement from where, and that was the, my first one was in 2016. So we're only four years removed, but um, yeah, it's just, there was a lot of things, and I know we'll talk about some of this a little bit later, but there was a lot of things that I had to do to get there. Mm-hmm. And much of it dealt with learning how I run as, how my body runs and my technique and really focusing on that running technique. Um, I used to run shuffle shuffle a lot on my toes and for longer races it's just not sustainable your calves will get sore your quads will get sore so i had to learn uh how i run but then most of running is learning what your body's telling you you know if it's hot that day if you had a lot of work stress that day if you didn't sleep well knowing okay this is what this pace feels like during this condition and just learning that and having fun with it yeah, I remember I've had the conversation with Rob and I think with you too, like there's like three main ways that you get better at running. And that's one is losing weight uh-huh. so that you're not carrying as much body. Right, you need around. less energy, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then one is um, 
doing more miles, yes. like just building miles on miles. And then the other one is working on your your form. Yes. Right? Because that'll make you a more efficient runner. Right. And that's the one that you really focused on, right? Yeah. I I mean, I can't lose any weight. <laughs> I really can't. I would... I've, I've struggled with that in the past, trying to be thinner, and it's just not a healthy place to be. Yeah. But um, I can't lose weight. I can run more miles, and I and I enjoy running a lot of miles. But you want to stay in your. You don't want to stay. You don't want to get an injury. You want to stay injury free. You want to do what's right and not put too much training stress on you. So I really had to focus on that, and it it took a lot of drills to get used to that, building that routine, and doing it over and over and over again, and. Um, and also just you know putting in the time and the effort and really focusing on it. Um, a lot of it came with I like I love reading a lot of books and 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 getting the mental perspective on how runners do things. And a lot of it came with trying to understanding how to deal with discomfort or how to deal with um, when things get difficult. And and it's quite a challenge. But if I compare the marathon that I had first to the last marathon. It's just, it's like a whole new world because yeah. of just the understanding I have of responding to certain things that are happening when I'm running. Yeah, so um, I lost a bunch of weight. Mm -hmm. I went from like 250 to uh, like currently I'm under 200. So I, I lost around 50 or 60 pounds. But when I was losing that weight, I would see myself every day and I couldn't really tell there was a difference. But... If I go somewhere or see somebody that I haven't seen or been to in a long right. time and people are like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> it's actually, it actually makes me not want to go see people that I haven't seen in a long time because it's so much like, oh my gosh, all they want to talk about is like how much different I look and things like that. But when it was happening, I didn't really notice. And I want to ask you kind of if, if it's similar when uh, about improving when you were running like as you got faster was it something that was like noticeable and you knew like the steps you were taking or is it something you were like holy crap i'm way faster now than i was a few months ago like what was that like to improve so things just feel easier you feel like you're in the air more and you feel that you're working less i try not to look at my watch very much to see what paces i'm doing i always want to be if I'm doing an easy run, I want to be able to talk and feel good. And I know what that feels like to be able to, you know, tell a story while you're running. Mm -hmm. But it got considerably easier. It felt like I had less stress afterwards, less time to recover because things just felt like I could easily do it again. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're taking, for me, small, short steps with less effort. And the analogy I've heard in the past is... It's like taking a sledgehammer and ha or lifting weights and you have to lift that heavy weight once. It takes a lot of effort versus taking a 10-pound weight and just lifting it hundreds of times. Yeah. And in long-distance running, think about lifting that little weight lots of times. And that's what, that's what it felt like, effortless. Mm -hmm. And I did feel a big difference. Um, I could even look at my shoes and tell that my shoes were hitting differently and that I had different wear patterns on it. So there was a lot that started to click. Um, but most of it I could feel in just breathing yeah. and just how easier it was to be breathing, finishing a run, looking at my watch and saying, oh, I'm surprised I was running that pace. It felt very comfortable. Yeah. Would the data change? Like your heart rate? Sure. So my cadence was the big thing. Your cadence. So was. I was taking a lot more steps per, per minute or, mi or 
per minute or distance and um, I was taking a lot more steps and you could tell that it was just being more efficient in that way. Gotcha, mm -hmm. gotcha. So um, that's, a, that's awesome, dude. Like the, for, to go from a 1030 uh, mile um, to a sub, a sub seven f during a marathon is kind of mind boggling. Like I didn't even know you improved improve that much until this mo very moment. <laughs> Like, well, did, is that, is that, did you qualify for Boston or is that? I did, but it's gonna This year's an interesting year because with, they delayed res registration. This is my first time qualifying, but they delayed registration. So they may make it more strict. So they, a few years ago, they dropped it even, you had to run faster, five minutes per each age group. And now they may, they may drop it again. We'll see what they said, decide, but it's definitely one of those things that I was very happy when it happened. Um, I still have a lot of difficult, challenging runs. I'm still learning every day. I ran a 5K recently at the Botanical Gardens, and it was terrible. I I, I felt terrible. The heat was there, and um, maybe my aerobic fitness wasn't there that day, or maybe I had a hard day of work that day because it was after work. Um, but there's I still have a lot of challenging races, mm -hmm. and, and it's things I'm still learning every day. Um, but that's why I'm happy I have Rob there to ask questions or friends or different things like that. Yeah, for me, the summer was filled with terrible runs. <laughs> I mean, I think m most of my runs probably during the summer were terrible, but I got out there yeah. and gave gave it a good effort. <laughs> so, But yeah, the, the heat was, was crazy. And I feel like this morning was like, a surprise we got lulled into a false sense of security with this fall weather oh, then yes. all of a sudden it was humid i was like guys i didn't even really hydrate yesterday that good <laughs> we were out there sweating like crazy so um one thing that we talked about was um that me and you have talked about previously was your journey um with tess to uh have a child yes and how sort of running was a part of that. Can you tell us a little about a little bit about that stuff? Sure. So um, I'll just say this jokingly, but there's a lot of pressure from the Filipino family to have children. But we really wanted to have a child, yeah. and and she doesn't mind me saying this. I've spoken to others before about it, but um, but my wife, first and foremost, she's incredible. She's so strong mentally and physically, physically. And she's amazing. And I, I will tell anyone that, and I, I hope people see that deep in my heart that I, that that I really value her. But she was, she and I had a very challenging time having children, and we went through a lot of procedures. And I just, I just really felt bad for her because any little thing she did, the doctor would say, "Oh, well, you went to hot yoga today. That probably is the reason that." You, they were a lot nicer than this. I shouldn't say it like this, mm -hmm. but they would, she would, uh, she and I would look at things and say, is this a source of it not happening? And you have a lot of doubt and you have a lot of, you know, self blame. And I think it made us really strong as a couple and uh, really deepened our love for each other. But it was challenging. And um, we know the result. We have a miracle. You know, Penelope is beautiful and great and, and healthy and it's, we're blessed. But one thing that we kind of talked about is finding distractions that would build us as a stronger couple. Mm -hmm. And she knew I was really diving in deep to running and she, she had never really ran before. Um, 
She works very hard as a nurse, and she probably walks more miles than I ever did as a nurse. And oh, yeah. Doesn't get to hydrate as much as she probably needs to, and I mean, she's it's a hard career. But um, we decided to set up some some vacations that deal with running. So we did Disney together. Our experiences were different. I this may be controversial, but I am not a fan. <laughs> I'm not. I like Disney. I'm not a fan of Disney races. I do I, know people who might be hurt by that. I know. I, that's why I say that. <laughs> <laughs> Please no hate mail. Please don't don't message Danny that I'm a, a terrible person. But it's just very you have to get up very early. Yeah. It's very crowded. If you're running in a group and you do not put your hand high above your head to tell someone that you're stopping, you're getting run over. Okay. Mm. Um, and I learned that the hard way one time. I but my wife. I finished, and then my wife finished a few hours after me with such the biggest smile. So happy. That and she's like, oh look, I took a picture of every character, and she had a great time. So I yeah. did not ruin on that parade, and we had a great time. But that was kind of the first vacation distraction that we had, and then I just there was a deal through Rock and Roll that for a couple hundred dollars you could run any race that they offered, five k, half. So I signed up for that, and we did a year in 2016 of just taking a weekend flying somewhere or driving, going to the expo, I would run the race and then she would come cheer for me and then we would explore the city. So that's awesome. We did, I'll just rattle off a few because um, it was fun. But there was New Orleans, Chicago, St. Louis, San Diego, San Francisco, Philly, Raleigh, DC. I did more than 20 halves that year. <laughs> really? Uh, it's close to 20, but I did all the local ones too. Yeah. And, um, I'll have to look up on Athlinks how many I actually did, but I, d I did a lot. And um, I will tell you, if you ever get the chance to run in San Francisco over the Golden Gate Bridge, it's amazing. I mean, I love bridges because of Pittsburgh, but yeah. this is unlike anything. The fog is there. You're running over. It's beautiful. So mm. we, um, yeah, we just, I just tried to do whatever we could to make it more relaxed and, um, and just tried to kind of go from from there and then the kind of the tail end of the story is that in 2017 I ran Shamrock and that was the year that it was terrible I couldn't feel my lips I couldn't feel my face <laughs> I ran in a singlet with a little under armor and short shorts and I thought I was something special you know with my but I it was a bad clothing option <laughs> my face was blue my wife came to cheer me and then the next day after Shamrock, we went in and did IVF. And we did the in vitro, and uh, like I said, it was successful, but there's a real special place in my heart for Shamrock because, um, because it was so close to that. But last year, Penelope, or well, two years ago, did the Leprechaun Dash. And I mean, I couldn't stop tearing up inside yeah. and just feel, and I, it's something, that I hope that she does until she ages out of that. And it's mm -hmm. something that we can enjoy because that, like I said, that's a very special time for us and it means a lot. And it's, it's yeah. just, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little lost for words, but super it's super meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just something that we were able to focus on. And now my, my wife is uh, a Spartan champion. I mean, she is so good and she's, um, she may never run a marathon again, but she's going to do an ultra Spartan when it opens back up and, 
Um, she's someone that if you see at the beach, she's on those rings at Hillier and on the ropes and, and she trains hard and she's, nice. she's amazing. Awesome. Well, as, uh, this part comes to a close, I want to, um, take us to the advice column, dude. So, okay. um, either, can you share with us either the best advice you've ever gotten or what you think the best advice is for runners? Like if you had to share one or two things. Sure. Um, so, I really like that you're doing the advice column, by the way. Yeah. I think it's, it's good to hear from certain people because there's always something weighing on your mind that you say, oh, I wish I could tell them. From, from the human aspect, okay? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is kind of important to me. It's also a little bit of a pet peeve, but you know, everyone wants to belong to something. You, mm-hmm. want, you want to feel good. And what I would just encourage people is, if someone's running by you the opposite way, just wave acknowledge say hi say good morning yeah i mean i would i would say when i run through the park only about 20 percent of people wave and say something back Mm. and do you know that to me that may be that person's first run ever or you know maybe if i say hello to them and they have a good day they're going to come back tomorrow or next week and, Mm. and see me again and i just you know there's been plenty of people that talk about community and just building that good relationship but just just wave, just say hello, acknowledge them. And then if you're, the last little kind of spin off there that's, that does mean a lot to me as well, but if you're ever in a race and you run by a Team Hoyt athlete or, or Ainsley's Angels, cheer them on, do your best. I mean, anyone, any athlete, but it just, I mean, like I said, it's just that human aspect. Mm-hmm. We, and just, just be a good person, be a good, you know, yeah. an advocate for it. Um, Running advice, uh, we, t- we talked a little bit earlier about the drills, but I would say to, to anyone, have a good warm-up, okay? Mm-hmm. I, you know, Coach Rob has told me many times, and I believe in it wholeheartedly, I would rather you have a good warm-up, get your drills in, and cut your mileage short than to go straight from your house, run outside, and start going to it. Mm-hmm. It's just going to reduce injuries. It's going to make your life so much better, and your body will be ready for it, so... I'm a big fan of of warming up. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit more next episode, too. Well, we're going to take a break and come right back, dude. Wow. Adam's story is fascinating. For me, it was full of surprises, and I hope that you were pleasantly surprised, too. On part two of our interview with Adam, we'll talk about his passion for running, the way he studies it and dives headfirst into it. And we'll talk a little bit technically too about running, different types of runs, the benefits of doing drills and how they affect you. And we'll talk about his goals uh, for the future. This week's haiku offering comes to us straight from John Hartzell. It is as follows. Run short or run long. Need not focus on the pace. Just start and have fun. Thanks, John. I think that captures the essence of your heart. For now, this is Danny, signing off. Godspeed.